Welcome to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Joyous conversations about what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about our one reality. You have nothing to fear. You are eternal and you are perfectly loved. Knowing the truth changes everything. Now, here's Roberta. Welcome to Seek Reality. I'm Roberta Grimes and I'm delighted you're with us today. Is there or is there not a spiritual aspect to reality? Well, you and I know that there certainly is, but mainstream scientists and professional skeptics have a tremendous vested interest that lies in the opposite direction. In fact, some of them have made whole careers as what they claim are uh, you know, skeptics, but really they're debunkers. A deliberate debunkers of spiritual and paranormal phenomena. And one such professional skeptic who's really a debunker is James the Amazing Randy, who's now 90 years old. He's, a, he's going to be real surprised when he graduates, of course. He's 90 years old. He's a retired stage magician who began in the 60s to offer a cash prize to anyone who could convince him that he or she possessed psychic powers. Eventually, Randy was offered a million dollars. He retired. He, offered, he was offering rather a million dollars to anybody who was able to show he had psychic abilities. He retired the prize in 2015, claiming more than a thousand people had tried for it, but no one had won it. Now, from our perspective, his story is somewhat different. Very few serious psychics and mediums of whom I'm aware were willing to work with Randy at all because they knew his biases and, and they didn't trust him. I mean, you wouldn't trust someone who was hoping to prove you wrong in anything. In addition, folklore in this field talks about a number of very good psychics and mediums who had tried to apply to be tested and they were turned away. Among serious afterlife researchers, Randy is now considered to be a fraud of the first rank and his prize inspired the wonderful Australian afterlife researchers Victor and Wendy Zamet to post their own prize of a million dollars for anyone who could prove that nothing in their book a lawyer presents the evidence for the afterlife is true the Zamet's prize was posted for more than two decades with interest from skeptics but no attempts to actually try to prove these things wrong because of course you can't prove the truth to be wrong so we would have to say that the contest between randy and the wonderful zamets turned out to be a draw the primary reason why you and i even have to seek reality for ourselves is that mainstream science is still so adamantly materialist that there actually is an industry in place that sows misinformation in an effort to debunk even genuine non-material phenomena our wonderful guest today is now a leader in the field of helping to share the objective truth about reality with all the world. Robert McLuhan is a freelance journalist and former foreign correspondent. He's been a member of the Society for Psychical Research since 1993, and he's blogged about paranormal topics at paranormalia.com and elsewhere. Since 2014, he's edited the the Psy Encyclopedia, and that's a free online resource that contains over 300 in-depth articles on a century and a half of scientific research into ESP, dreams, mediumship, and related psychic experiences. And we'll, we'll give you these uh, links, of course, in the description. He's the author of a terrific book that's just been reissued. It's called Randy's Prize, What Skeptics Say About the Paranormal, Why They Are Wrong, and Why It Matters. Robert, welcome. I am thrilled that you're with us today. Hi, Roberta. Thank you so much for having me on. And all the way from the UK. We had a little trouble making this happen, but you sound great. I'm glad this works. Thank you. 
Please tell us a little bit about your history. Um, you're obviously a seeker of, uh, by, by nature, but how did you first become interested in the spiritual field, uh, which, of course, some call the paranormal, even though it's really the normal? Mm. Yes, I, I, I don't think I had any particular interest until, I suppose, well, my early 30s, and I started doing meditation. Um, that's when I discovered uh, Eastern philosophies and religion and started thinking about them. But I also discovered something called uh, creative visualiz visualization, which is the idea that you get into a meditative state and you can sort of visualize what you'd like to manifest in your life uh, and see it happen. And I read books about this and there are people who said this, this really works. And I thought, hmm, this is really rather odd. And yes. <laughs> that started to make me think a little bit about how the mind could possibly work like that. And I, I think at first I was extremely skeptical about it. But uh, I, I started reading books um, and I was reading a lot of science at the time. Uh, and I came to realize that there was a real conflict because scientists, of course, say that consciousness can't uh, have those sorts of effects because it's really just a side effect of what the brain does. It doesn't have any sort of causative powers. Right. Um, and on the other side, you get people who say, well, you know, actually, it really does work because there is a real relation between what goes on in, in, in a person's mind and, and what manifests in their lives. So, you know, I've been exploring that uh, whole uh, paradox uh, for some years now. So as you got into it, it's clear to me from your book that you really were skeptical which, which I, I have to just say to everyone, I was very skeptical too. I think most people who really want to know the truth are not going to be satisfied with PAP, and they are not going to be satisfied with easy answers. They really want to know. But over and over as you investigate phenomena, you're saying, eh, I'm not sure about this. <laughs> you know, well, I no, love I, watching you do that. Yes, I, I think you have to be... You, you have to approach these things with a bit of caution, um, because let's face it, um, there are a lot of people out there who will believe anything That's about right. anything. I mean, we know this um, from, from the political sphere, that the things that people believe are just absolutely fantastic. Right. Um, and, I, and I think that skeptics have a good point when, when they say that some people will take all this stuff uh, as gospel truth, um, for instance, astrology, a lot of people, you know, it wouldn't occur to them to doubt that astrology was tr is true. Um, but, you know, what is the evidence for it? And I, and I think that, you know, if you are a thinking person, then you are interested in evidence. So I, I don't blame skeptics for asking questions and raising objections, certainly not. And, I, and I'm very interested in following them up and trying to understand them. I, I think it's a very particular kind of militant skepticism, which uh, refuses to uh, yes. really investigate or, or take it, take any interest in it. That That's the sort of thing that, that I, I, I think one should be wary of, too. Now, there, there was a period about 50 years ago, 40 years ago, which when New Age was the rage and New Age was a lot of sort of a mishmash of of ideas, some of which have proven to be sound, many of which have proven not to be sound at all. And uh, this a lot of what is true is being grouped with New Age and basically dismissed as part of the of the bunch. How mm. do you feel about the whole New Age period? Yes, um, interesting. I, I think um, you know someone like Deepak Chopra, who has a huge um, following, yes. a huge readership, 
um, and promotes the idea of um, you know that connection between um, science and uh, new new age spirituality. Um, I, I'm more interested in the what I would call the, the sort of the scientific evidence. Uh, I suppose what some people would would refer to as parapsychology or psi research. I, I'm I, I'm I'm interested in trying to understand what the evidence is because I think that if you are going to promote those sorts of ideas, um, particularly to agnostics and people of a, a sceptical persuasion, then you need to have evidence. Uh, so, you know, I tend to sort of focus on that more than the spirituality side, but I am very interested in that as well. Yeah, it's clear from your book that you are. So let's talk about the Society for Psychical Research, which is an old and very venerable fact-finding body. I mean, I much of what I was studying in the beginning was 100 and more years old. The, the, mm. the communications were received through deep trance mediums, the great um, um, early uh, deep trance psychics. And the, they were working closely with the society. Um, yeah. tell, us, tell us about that history. Yes, well, I, I think, I mean, I would, one could name all sorts of people, but I, I think the mediums are particularly interesting. Yes. Uh, and initially, the, uh, the mediums that um, the investigators were looking at were, were what we call physical mediums. That's to say the, the, yes. the mediums that worked in the dark in, in seances, people like uh, D.D. Holm uh, and particularly Eusebio Palladino, uh, Mina Crand and those sorts of people. And I think that was quite problematic because it's very difficult to be sure of what's going on in, in the dark or in dim lit conditions. Uh, and I think you know, an awful lot of time was spent trying to get a handle on what was happening, however spectacular it was. And it certainly was spectacular, uh, furniture levitating and um, you know, ectoplasm and all the rest of it. Yes. But um, I, I think they sort of moved on from that because they discovered mediums who they call mental mediums, uh, who, who didn't really uh, work with um, psychokinesis in that sense. It was more um, what was going on in in their minds. So it was like that they'd have a sort of direct contact with um, a, a spirit uh, or, or, or an alleged spirit. Uh, and it was really by trying to analyze the information they were getting, um, the statements they were making, uh, to try to determine whether this was really what it seemed to be or something else. Uh, and this is a much more abstract uh, activity and much easier to follow, really. Uh, and I think that uh, this was, I think this worked much better. And it certainly, uh, I, I found it very interesting um, and impactful. So, but this is how I sort of met them. Um, I found in an old, this was very early in my, well, probably 50 years ago, I found three books by Charles Drayton Thomas about his work with Gladys Osborne Leonard and Vita. It was totally new to me. I knew nothing about any right. of this, but I found it fascinating. Yes. One, of the, one of the three books that I found was about the book tests that they yes. did. It was very clear reading those three books together that um, the those who, that we used to think were dead were working very closely with Theta and with Gladys Osborne Leonard to try to prove in, without a question that they were real because – I mean, I just parenthetically, everyone, it was it was assumed in the 19th century. They, the whole notion of mind reading first came up then and they debunked the whole thing. Of course, it didn't happen. Then 
when there started to be these really good books written by researchers in the early part of the 20th century, where researchers who were working with mediums, immediately it was said they were reading the minds of the people in the room. So the dead said, aha, we can fix that. And they started to do various kinds of tests in themselves, that which ruled out mind reading, which to me was very amazing. I, it was new to me. I, what do you think about all of that? Well, I'm, I'm very glad you, you, you've read that stuff because in my experience, not very many people I talk to have. So, you know, well done. It's, um, for me, <laughs> it wasn't for me, me, it was my guide, as you know. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, I, and I think Charles Gray, Charles Trayton Thomas is particularly interesting, but that whole, the, the, the um, the Gladys Leonard mediumship is very interesting indeed. And the book tests, as you say, are, are quite significant. Um, and just to spell it out a, a little more for your listeners, what, what actually happened here was that uh, the medium would say, um, prompted by, presumably by some spirit in the background, would say to the sitter, um, go back to your, your home after this sitting, look on the sh third shelf of your bookshelf, that's to say the third shelf up or down or whatever, yes. the, sixth, the sixth book from the left, uh, you will find a book, uh, pull it out, uh, open it at the um, 27th page, and on the fifth line down, you will find these words. And yes. We then read out <laughs> these words. It didn't always work, but it very often did. They would they would do, they would actually find the book, and they would find that the passage that had been indicated was exactly or or closely associated with a particular idea um, that had been stated, suggesting. Just to show, just to talk about the the society's role. Before they checked, they would put into a sealed envelope the uh, information that had come through the medium and send it to the society, so that there was this independent check on whether or not this had really turned out to be a real prediction. Absolutely. Um, and, and and obviously, of course, this if scientists had believed this, this would have wrecked their entire materialist uh, uh, set of beliefs. So they began to say, oh, he knew what was in his book. So then what these book test um, people not really dead would do would to read a book in a strange house that no one had ever been to. And they would give the same information, you know, uh, behind yes. the, 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 the door at the top of the stairs, you'll find a bookcase, fourth book in, second shelf down, open it, these are the words. And so it was impossible for any – so you put that in an envelope, you send it to the Society for Psychological Research in London, and then you go and you knock on the door and say, I have an odd request. <laughs> Will you please yes. Yes. OK, well, let, let's use this as an example, because a, a skeptic would say, well, actually, you know, there are ways that this can happen by pure chance. Right. Um, and as it happens, you know, they weren't successful every time. So you might say, uh, and actually, this is a very commonly advanced argument that coincidences, coincidences like this do happen by chance. So what you do next is you, you create some kind of controlled study. Um, and what they did was, what the investigators did was they they basically got people uh, to do this without any mediumistic ability at all, uh, yes. without without being in a mediumistic situation, just to see if those matches, sort, sorts of matches could occur by chance. And they found, of course, that there was a much, much smaller incidence. So I can't remember what the actual figure is, but in the controlled in study, it would have been of the yes. order of about five, eight percent, whereas in the the, the real um, mediumship, it would have been of the order of 30, 40, 50 percent, that sort of yes. thing. So you, you, you understand by, by, by taking a scientific approach that there is a real phenomenon here. 
Yes. And Charles Drayton Thomas actually said in the book that I read that was published, you know, 100 years ago, he actually said he had come to believe in the end that every mistake that they made was not made by the people who did the prediction were doing the work, people not in bodies, but instead was um, an error of communication through the medium. And they probably were always right. That's what he came to believe. That is, to me, amazing. Amazing. Why don't people know about that? Yes. Well, I think it's possible because you are dealing with a very fuzzy connection. So obviously yes. there are going to be mistakes. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So what, what do you do with the Society for Psychical Research? Are you a part of – what do you do? Okay. Well, I've been a member for some time, and that's to say I go to lectures and um, you know use the library and so on. Uh, I do. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, wish I, was, I, I wish I lived there. Too bad. Yes, it's fun. Well, yes. they they saw me hanging around the library quite a lot, so they started to ask to. So I started to do work for them, sort of cataloging and so on. Uh, and then I I gave one or two lectures, and I I wrote my book. Uh, so now I'm a member of the governing council. We meet every two months and decide strategy and so on and so on. But my real interest is in working on a project uh, which is called the, the Sci Encyclopedia. And Sci, as you, you may know, PSI uh, stands for Psychic Phenomena. Uh, and this is quite a new project. Well, it's been going on for four or five years now. But we were lucky enough to come into uh, quite a decent legacy from a former member uh, who, who wanted to um, publications to be created. So we looked at this creatively and we decided that publishing another book probably wouldn't do much good. But what was really, really needed was something to counteract the um, misinformation that one finds quite a lot of on the internet. Yes. Uh, a, a really solid resource that gives you, that, that educates you about psychical phenomena. So um, that's what I've been working on as commissioning editor for the last few years. And I must say, I, I find it fascinating and very fulfilling because I think it's an opportunity for people to educate themselves about what all this stuff is about. Uh, you know, to get a sense of uh, the work that's been done in many different areas um, and something to rebut the arguments that are very often made by skeptics, which you tend to find a lot of on Wikipedia, which yes. is very Stupid. much controlled by skeptics and in which people like myself get very little opportunity to have a say. No, your, your um, encyclopedia is desperately needed. Um, we, we, we're going to publish the um, link today. You'll be able to go and take a look. But uh, we, we've known, certainly for as long as I've been doing it, we've known there had to be um, a lot of uh, proper information put out just to counter the disinformation. But you and I are seeing, aren't we, Robert, that there is much more interest on the part of lay people. In, in what's really going on than there certainly was even 10 years ago. Are you seeing that change? Well, I, I, I mean, I'm very glad to hear you say that. It's very hard for me to gauge in the absence of any sort of polls or statistics, um, but one certainly hopes that's the case. And, and I think that it's important for people like me to to try to sort of join in that educational process. Yes. Um, you work, I and mean, there are other people doing other things, Carlos Alvarado and uh, Nan Nancy Zingroni, for instance, uh, uh, run courses which are very popular um, and there, there are any number of books being published so uh, I, I think that it, it's very important to try to emphasize that real scientific work is being done in this area and has been done in the past of, of very high quality much of it um, and well worth people getting to grips with 
Yes. Uh, well, I, I gauge it really from talking with others. It's been really 10 years since my first book on this top the set of topics came out. And I began doing uh, Seek Reality six years ago. And in the beginning of my public um, uh, foray into talking about all of this, when I do talks, there, there would be a lot of confused faces. People were open to know stuff, but they didn't know stuff. Now... Mm. What I find is everyone seems to already have a grounding. Uh, if I go into a room, there are more people there, and everyone has a grounding. It's just, it's really surprising. And the Zamets say, too, that they were, ended up retiring their million-dollar prize for someone who could – their prize was specifically for someone who could prove that all of the phenomena in their book, a science – what? A, a lawyer presents the evidence for the afterlife, which is terrific. Everyone should read it. But the, so they wanted someone who could prove that everything wasn't true that was said in that book. And uh, they, they, it was impossible, of course, for people to do that. But what they noticed was about three or four years ago, a very significant drop off in interest from skeptics. I think that that was when they were starting to tuck their tail between their legs uh, and realize that um, th this is going to holding back the truth is like holding back the sea in the end. Well, you can't that, do it. That, that's very interesting. Um, I mean, I rather doubt that that's the case. Literally, I, I'm certain they don't think that, you know, it, it might be true. So they better let people find out for themselves. I, I think what, what we're actually seeing here is that that huge uh, resurgence of skepticism that occurred in the uh, the 1980s, um, yes. very largely as a backlash to the somewhat uncritical um, approach that people were taking in the 60s and 70s. The new age, yes, exactly. Yes, I, I think that that whole movement um, was headed by people like Paul Kurtz, uh, and um, Ray Hyman and Martin Gardner and James Randi and those sorts of people. I think that's sort of running out of steam simply because those yes. guys are getting quite old now and, and yes. you know, dying off. Um, right. And I'm not really convinced that there's another generation coming through that's um, really taking their place in the same way. There, there are some people uh, who are quite clued up um, and equally militant, um, but I'm not convinced that they're going to have quite the same impact simply because that that whole sort of polemical blunderbuss approach doesn't seem to be working anymore. So I, I sort of see a movement, a sort of swinging of the pendulum. Uh, and I, I think and I do hope uh, that this time, if people start taking paranormal phenomena more seriously, then they will do it in a more sort of sceptical and objective and scientific spirit so that it doesn't simply lead to another sceptic backlash. Max Planck said that science advances by deaths. He made the greatest discovery of the 20th century, which is that consciousness is the base creative force. Um, mm. And he assumed that that would be something everyone would sort of know. But even though he was very blunt about what he had found, and actually Einstein kind of seemed to accept it too, uh, they've been fighting it for the you know, most of 100 years since he mm. first said those words. But it's starting to change now. We had a guest just a few weeks ago on um, Seek Reality, uh, Bernardo Kastrup. Remember the oh, name? Yes, yes I know. I met, I met Bernard. And he's, oh, he's, he's what a he's, wonderful guy. He's good he, value and his books are excellent. Yes. And he, he just literally this past Sunday defended his PhD thesis, which is based on his most recent book. And he got a PhD from a very reputable university in um, um, the Netherlands, 
and he got it specific and, and he was challenged by this you know how it is when they do a, a defense they they question him and try to catch him out and stuff he did a beautiful defense of his thesis which is that consciousness is primary there has to be something that's primary and it's consciousness so mm. i really think in the end he may be the one who gets the nobel prize for that discovery mm. that was made first by max Planck. Well, let's hope. <laughs> oh, let's hope. Yes. I love the man. He's also very engaging. We really enjoyed mm. having him here. Um, all right. Well, let, let's talk about these skeptics. Randy, um, he's the amazingly clueless James Randy, uh, and who, who literally made a career. He's, he, he, I guess, started out as a, a magician. Tell us about him and what got him doing this insane stuff. Well, to be honest, I'm not an expert on James Randi, and I should say straight away that I called the book Randi's Prize simply because I thought the, the, the whole idea of the prize itself was so clever. Um, I mean, as I understand it, many magicians feel deeply skeptical and indeed rather, um, let's say, uh, disgusted by the sense that there are other people doing what they do, but pretending that it's real magic. So this motivates <laughs> them to fight back. And I, you know, I think, right. you, you know, Penn and Teller and um, Paul yes. Daniels in Britain. I mean, there, a lot of people, in fact, a lot of psychologists who are also um, uh, magicians, state, uh, amateur magicians, they do magic. This sort of whole self-deception thing is um, is a very sort of, so it sort of binds together. And I think people who think that they're, they're actually deceiving people are very uh, stressed by the idea that um, some people might think it was actually real magic, to put it like that. So I think there's some sort of psychological dimension there, some sort of tension. Yes. Uh, and I yes. think Randy is a prime example of that um, and has made, as many of them have, uh, a second career out of it. I'm not sure how I think he was sort of reasonably successful as, as a stage magician, but I don't think he was the top of his profession by any means. No. But certainly by striking out as, as a skeptic, he has found, uh, he found a very uh, eager and immediate audience uh, among scientists and skeptics. Um, and that has actually, you know, in that space, he really is, you know, he is the man. Um, and something of a hero, I think, to lots of people. But yes. the, the prize itself is very interesting because it's, it is actually a trick. It's, it's a magical trick. Uh, if you think about it, it's, um, it's a way of you, you actually make this pretense that you're carrying out investigations um, and that um, nobody will dare to, uh, to try to fool you because you're not the kind of person that can be fooled. Um, but by making it extremely difficult to apply for it and, and, and to actually do the test, you actually create the illusion that, you know, there, there is no such thing as paranormal phenomena. And I was very struck by this and very struck by the fact um, how, how, how influential it's been uh, among actual scientists. Uh, yes, people like uh, Richard Dawkins and Sam Harris and uh, um, Dan, Dan Dennett, you know, the, the, um, the people who write books and you know, very down on this sort of thing, um, have all at one time expressed um, great in interest and confidence in Randy's prize. Um, and it's one of their main reasons for disbelieving it. Um, so I think in that sense, he's been enormously successful. 
Yes, but um, again, you cannot hold back the sea forever. You, no. you don't. You only have so many fingers and toes to stick into the dike. Exactly. You yeah. say in your book, what especially bothers skeptics is that psi can't be reconciled with established scientific principles. That's true. What that says is that if psi is real, science is, that literally the scientific community has been running in the wrong direction and in the weeds for the past hundred years, which is also true. Well, they don't want to do that. They don't want to go there. Um, they you possibly see, I, avoid I, it. Uh, yes, I, I suppose so. But you know, I, I take a, a, a somewhat more moderate view here um, because it seems to me that that there has to have been some kind of separation between these two fields. Um, that seems obvious to me. And when I look at the uh, the the fury with which the idea of psychical phenomena is uh, um, resisted by many leading scientists and has been over the last 150 years. I ask myself, you know, why? Why is this? What? 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 What purpose is being served here? And then I think, well, actually, perhaps, perhaps there does need to be some kind of separation. Perhaps these two fields need to develop. Uh, in, in isolation because they can't really work together because they are so paradoxical. Uh, and what we're actually seeing is a historical process. Uh, and at the end of this process, we will start to see a synthesis when they start coming together. So, you know, you and I may be privileged to be alive at, at a time when this second stage is starting to occur. I think I mean, you are a wonderful human being and you are the soul of sweetness and kindness. I do not have your sense of optimism about mm. the scientific community. Um, I think that this was that what you're saying probably was the case a hundred years ago and the the uh, people not in bodies were in the process at the same time that they came up with quantum mechanics were coming up with you know it's time for you all to start to investigate the fact that there is a, there is a greater reality which is not physical mm. and instead they they literally established their what they call the fundamental scientific dogma of materialism and mm. they've been fighting for it ever since mm. so i i mean i hope you're right and this is going to be a, a gentle coming together certainly people like bernardo are are trying to make that happen but i don't see that there's going to be anything except shame in the end for science that it stonewalled this information for so long well possibly but you know this happens a lot in science itself you get people That's who true. Hold, hold on to ideas for a long time and then eventually they get uh, uh, overwhelmed by the evidence and and i think scientists say you know if if the evidence was there then we'd believe it um, and I think that the evidence is mounting up, but perhaps it's just not strong enough at this stage. I don't know. But but certainly, you know, this will happen eventually, surely. Going back to the title of your book, why, in your view, why does it matter what skeptics think? Well, this is what I'm saying is because there are an awful lot of people out there who aren't scientists, but are by nature questioning and skeptical and I think that if they're being given a, a lot of arguments for the essential untruth of psychical phenomena, then they're bound to pay attention to it. So if scientists are saying, look, this isn't true, we've looked at it closely, um, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't add up, you can safely disregard it, which is the message you will read in any article on psychic phenomena in Wikipedia, right. then, um, you know, those people are going to be influenced by it. So it matters because you need to confront those arguments. You need to... Oh, great, uh, yes. You, you need to closely analyse them, which is what I did throughout Randy's Prize, 
um, I, I've taken every argument and, well, as many as I could fit in, um, and really analysed it and got down deep inside it to see whether it holds up or not. Um, and in very many cases, uh, as readers will see, I believe the, the evidence is clear. The, the arguments are um, fallacious in many cases. And in some cases, they're actually dishonest. Yes, well, I, I think yeah. there are there are there are cases where um, evidence of of um, I don't know telepathy and um, out of body experiences the, the arguments that have been put up against them are, are, are so uh, transparently uh, wrong um, as to be um, really disingenuous and and one might say in the end yes dishonest. One um, of the thing, th- this is something I copied out of your book, which which to me was was significant. I don't remember what the question was, but someone said to you, "But Rob, if all this is true, why is it oh, not yes. known?" Yes. And she could not conceive how science might have over- overlooked something so fundamental. You know, the, you, this, yeah, sorry, so, go on, go on. Well, I was just going to say what you said. It was a good question, and in different ways, this book has tried to answer it. This is a wonderful book, everybody. The truth about Psy is not known because it clashes with what we take to be true, because we fear it, and because we believe unthinkingly and erroneously that we can always explain it away. It's not known because the way our minds work, as well as something generating the illusion of it, often masks the reality, and I think that's very true. It's not known because having both rare, being both rare and immaterial, a property of consciousness, it fails the criteria demanded by materialist science. Again, a wonderful point. And finally, and you said perhaps most critically, it's not known because it appears to validate religious belief at a time when much of humanity is desperate to to eliminate a perceived cause of tribal divisions. I thought that was brilliant. Sorry, I just had to read it. Mm, thank you. Well, I, I mean, I remember this because I, I remember very clearly having this conversation because it was a real wake up moment for me, um, because that's when I, I started to realize, you know, one really does have to do the work. One has to be convincing. One has to be persuasive. One has to have gathered all the facts in order to convince people that there really is something here. So, yes, I, I mean, I do think the science is important. I, I mean, just as I feel, I feel this way about Bernardo too. I think you are important to this process sp- precisely because you are so respectful of science. Most of the people that I know who are in the work, doing the work of, of rebutting the debunkers, have very little respect for science. And you're speaking to one of those people, and that's not a good approach to take. Um, I think that the right approach is the one that you are taking and Bernardo is taking. That you've got to approach them on their own terms. And wake them up gently <laughs> to the truth. Mm. And that's why this book is so great. You'll go ahead. Talk. talk about well, I, I was just going to say that, that that's what motivates me, because I really, really don't want to preach to the converted. I, th- I think there are lots of people out there who will you know, cheerfully agree with people about, you know, the, the, the contempt they feel for, for skeptics and so on. But I don't think that that's a good approach to take um, with people who may very well think the skeptics have a point. So I, I think one has to be sort of dispassionate and objective about these things. But um, I don't see very many people working in this space. And, you know, I wish there were more. Right. That's right. There, there need to be more. But I think the space needs more people who are doing your work. So I think that it will call to those people. I'm hearing more and more from ever more sophisticated people who are discovering um, these truths and, uh, are, and want to help to advance the truth 
really um, as part of, I, I've tied it together very much with my work um, for trying to, to explain uh, what Jesus actually came to do. And that seems to be a source of, of people who are eager to bridge this gap altogether. And I don't know where this goes. That's the thing about being foot soldiers, which you and I are, and certain Bernardo also is. We don't know. We aren't even sure what the, what the process is. We only know that we're doing our part. And I think what you're doing is just wonderful. What, what are you working on now beyond the encyclopedia, which is very important? Well, I I'm, I'm actually have been for some time working on uh, you know, a sequel to Randy's Prize. And I'm, I'm afraid that I shall end up probably saying a lot of the same things. But I, I, I think I think an, an issue with Randy's Prize is that it's rather specialist. So I'm talking a lot about uh, paranormal research and side research, and that's only I suppose that's only going to really interest people who are already in that space and are interested in that sort of thing. But I, you know, I'd really like to try and re reach a more general audience. Um, of, of sort of gen general agnostics, you know, people who are questioning and interested. And I think an awful lot of them, and some of them are my friends and professional colleagues, you know, who have yes. very little idea of what the paranormal is about and have all sorts of um, misconceptions about it. And those are the sorts of people that I'd like to say, look, you know, do do just sit down and, uh, and look at this and sort of buttonhole them. And, you know, if I could get them to pay attention for, you know, a little while, then who knows, you know, it might, it might open, open their eyes to something quite different. Both of us are trying to um, get the word out without making too many enemies in the process and, and merely opening people's minds. Mm. Um, but but um, there is room for more and more sophisticated educational material in this field because uh, certainly my books are just, here's the facts and this is how I know it and go do the research yourself. What they mm. need is people like you who are willing to go, to go through all of those steps and um, I'll be delighted when I see your next book to, to mm. consider adding it to my own bibliography because I think it's important that a place to go to ask these questions mm. and, and get sophisticated answers to them. Um, so when will that be, book be out? And what's it well, called? yes, I don't know. I, I, oh, well, I, I do have a working title, which is, um, if it was true, how would we know? Oh, uh, okay. And that's, just that's excellent. A question because I, you know, I think you need to get people to sort of think a little bit about it, and, and it's actually a question I find myself asking all the time. Every time I I, I read about uh, a piece of scientific research in, in 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 this field, I'm thinking, well, you know, what is it about this that that, that is convincing, and and how do we get there? If you wanted to prove something like telepathy, how would you do it? And the interesting thing to me is that when skeptics, very occasionally, they do their own experiments and they make exactly the same sorts of mistakes um, and, and issues that they criticize in, uh, in actual yes. professional parapsychologists. And the fact is, it is very difficult. And yes. how do you interpret the results? And when do you know when you've got a real result? And, and, and when can you be sure that all the sceptical arguments that you can throw at it don't work anymore. When do you re reach that point? And when you start to ask that question, then interesting things start to happen. Uh, and, and one of the points that I wanted to make is that, which I, I, I suppose I hadn't really understood when I wrote Randy's Prize, is the very tribal nature of this. Um, yes. an, awful, a, an awful lot of, of this has to do with temperament. And we see this so much now in the political field. Uh, well, people were just 
gravitate to the facts or pseudo facts that um, reinforce uh, some prior position um, and find it very hard to make any kind of uh, um, adjustment. Yes. Um, and I think this is what I've been experiencing for 15, 20 years, because I think the whole skeptic believer divide um, anticipates what we're seeing in politics now. Um, so this is something I'm very familiar with and, and something that I want to bring to people's attention. And the way you're doing it, having there be an objective source of information seems to me to be really key to making this all make sense. Um, yes. to, to getting, because if we, we it, there is a, a factual basis to reality. I mean, that seems to me fundamentally something we all can agree on. So yeah. what are those facts? And that's what you're trying to do with the science encyclopedia. And that's Absolutely. very exciting. Yes, just, just, yes, because, I mean, these are facts. These are scientific facts. There is data. There is experimental work. Um, there are surveys. There's all kinds of information here. Uh, and we're not going to get anywhere if we insist on, you know, just dismissing it as um, believers nonsense, you know, which is what I'm afraid many scientists and skeptics still do. Yes. Um, the, the I want to make sure I have this right. It's www.psi-encyclopedia.spr.ac is that correct? dot ac dot uk yes that that's oh dot dot uk ac dot uk that's a rather um, complicated academic address but to be honest if you just Google um, science encyclopedia you get it straight away oh really. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I will put that information in the description, everyone, so that you can uh, refer to it. And um, I will get the I'll get the word out to people that that's because people have asked me, what do I do? Wikipedia talks about all this nonsense. Um, so you are you finally have come, come up with a solution that you're working on seriously. And if, um, you know, the Society for Science Research is behind it, it can have not, no greater pedigree than that. Um, I, how, for how many years now have they been publishing and doing this work? Uh, it started five years ago, uh, so yes. But, but no, but no, the Society for Psychical oh. Research goes back more than 100 oh, years, 1882. Yes. I mean, they, these people are not newcomers to this process, and they've always been skeptical. They've always wanted facts when seeking the truth. I, they're probably the most one of the most respected sources of information in the world for people who know about them just because they've never varied from being truth seekers. And the truth is out there, and uh, in the end, they're going to be celebrated as one of the earliest sources of that truth. This is mm. this is wonderful. Do you have your own website? Um, I, I do. It's www.paranormalia.com. That's okay. the blog, but I, I have to say that I had to rather suspend my activity when I took on the job of commis- uh, editing the encyclopedia, simply because I don't have time to do both. Oh, yes. Um, but I there understand is, that, yes. There is actually quite a lot of material on there, and I think what's interesting about it is uh, that there's a lot of um, – a lot of uh, comment threads um, in which very often skeptics take part. So, you know, there's, there's quite a oh, lively great. controversy there. Yes, that's great. So do you still blog there at all? How often will you do that? Very, very rarely. But, you know, I love so much to get back to it because I really enjoy doing that. Um, yes. But I think, you know, most of the time now I'm either doing the encyclopedia or else I'm, you know, just grabbing a spare moment to write a bit for my book. Um, so probably won't be doing a great deal, but I'll get back to it eventually. Well, this I, we're coming toward the end of our time here. I am so much enjoying um, talking to you, and I, I love the fact that we're we're really kindred spirits in this. We're we're yeah. trying very hard to do this right, and um, I think that that's this is the this is the new 
sort of the new wave, the, the new generation of people trying to seek the truth. We're, we are not going to compromise. The truth is out there, and we know it's real. And there's this gigantic tapestry, my guides tell me, that is being assembled. And each of us is working on a little piece of that tapestry, and you're certainly a very important part of that. Mm-hmm. So what do you want people to know um, from what from what we've talked about today? What do you most want them to know? Well, that's a question. Um, I <laughs> I, I suppose, I, I suppose I, I, I'd like them to know that science is not a barrier to belief it, that psychical phenomena is real and everything that follows from that um, spirituality. I, I think that if, and I'm afraid many people do think that science t- t- is 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 proof that there is no yes. other reality, um, then I would urge them to reconsider. Yes. Uh, and I think that's perhaps, you know, there's a one thing that I'd like to get across, certainly to any audience, any sceptical audience, agnostic audience that I talk to, then that would be it. Yes, that that's perfectly said. Everyone, nobody wants you to believe just because I say it or Robert says it or anyone says it. We want you to seek the truth. Jesus wants you to seek the truth if you're a Christian. He said, seek and you will find, and that is absolutely true. But what's exciting is that there are people like Robert McLuhan and his wonderful book, which I'll give you the title of again in a minute, who really are able to give their and have given their lives to help you understand what the truth is. And what's exciting is that it's all coming together, Robert. Thank you so much for being with us. Consider yourself hugged all the way across the large pond. Thank you and, so uh, much. Yeah. And we'll, we'll talk again soon. I hope so, yes. Thank you, Roberta. Please never forget, everyone, that you are a powerful, eternal being. You never began, you never will end. And when you really get what that means, it's going to change everything in your life for the better. And that's what we try to do each week. I bring you wonderful people who can help you understand that you truly are eternal. Next week, we're going to be talking with John Beecher, who's a friend of mine and a friend of today's guest as well. John is the publisher of White Crow Books in the UK, and that is the leading, the leading publisher of excellent books in the broad field of non-material reality. He publishes the Zamet's wonderful book of afterlife facts and he publishes a lot of the most wonderful stuff frankly that's available on these topics this time i think he's been here two or three times in the past but he's going to be bringing us a wonderful collection of what he himself is the editor it's called in times of war messages of wisdom from soldiers in the afterlife our dear friend Wendy Zamet says of In Times of War, this is a book you will want to keep within arm's reach to be able to refer back to it frequently. Wow, that's an endorsement. So please be sure to join us next week. This week we've been talking with veteran psychical researcher Robert McLuhan about his terrific book called Randy's Prize, What Skeptics Say About the Paranormal, Why They Are Wrong, and Why It Matters. Brady's Prize has been desperately needed for a long time. Until recently, there was almost no organization among afterlife researchers as far as the public was concerned, and it was easy for for the skeptics, actually the the debunkers, to, to pick off bits of information. Victor and Wendy Zamet's courageous efforts to put up their million-dollar prize helped to turn the tide, but it never got the kind of publicity that the amazingly clueless fool James Randi got for his debunker's prize. Today's guest, Robert McLuhan, lays the truth bare, and his book is very enjoyable, by the way, to read. 
But you're like nearly all open-minded people who actually investigate the truth for themselves. He went from being a pretty deep skeptic, as you'll see, to becoming a leader in the ongoing work of the Society for Psychical Research, which remains the world's leading source of objective truth in this field. Especially if you are open-minded, kind of skeptical yourself, but re you know, willing to learn, read Randy's Prize by Robert McLuhan. Give yourself the gift of objective truth from someone who is no, is no axe to grind. He just wants you to know the truth. As you know, my own nonfiction books are Liberating Jesus, My Thomas, The Fun of Dying, The Fun of Staying in Touch, The Fun of Growing Forever, The Fun of Living Together, and very soon, The Fun of Loving Jesus, Embracing the Christianity that Jesus Taught. For young children, there's the fun of meeting Jesus, which is a beautiful a book, um, illustrated book. I didn't write the illustrations, uh, and so it's it's a beautiful book, I have to say. And all, all of this is available, of course, through bookstores, Amazon.com, and the adult books are, are available as audiobooks. If you ever want to talk to me at all about my books or about anything, if you have questions, don't hesitate to contact me through the contact block on robertagrimes.com. It can take a few days sometimes, but I do answer every email. Of course, you know, past episodes of Seek Reality are always available on webtalkradio.net. If you enjoy these weekly conversations, I hope you'll start reading my blog as well. And we, we talk every week about some of the things we're talking about here, and usually we're talking about them a, a bit ahead of the time that they, they finally make it. To, uh, to what I think of as showtime, and, and we, I bring in a guest, and we talk about these things. I try not to talk about things that I don't understand myself, because if I don't understand it and believe it, I can't help you. But more and more, um, I'm finding wonderful people who really, like, like our guest this week, wonderful, sincere people who really want to help you learn the truth. And that is the most important thing that any of us can be doing now. Jesus said the truth will set you free. It certainly will. Meanwhile, this had been Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Please enjoy and please make the most of this coming week in our one reality, knowing that you in particular, you in particular are a powerful eternal being. You're not one of many. You are perfectly beautiful, unique, and complete in yourself. And because that's true, you are infinitely loved. You've been listening to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Roberta blogs and answers questions at robertagrimes.com. Join us every week as we explore what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about the one reality we all share. Knowing the truth changes everything. <laughs>